You are now listening to the Hunter's Advantage Podcast. We preserve the history and sport of hunting through curious conversation and action-packed hunts, as well as offering you tips and strategy for more successful hunts. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Hunter's Advantage Podcast. This is episode number 121, and this is Hunt Talk episode number 110, live today from a coffee shop in None Your Business, Kansas. <laughs> so, I think this is one of the first... When's the last time we did an in-person podcast? It was September, like, 20-something. It was before the opener in Oklahoma. We did one in person? No. Oh, oh. in person? I don't yeah. Know. It's been a minute. It's been a minute. It's probably, it's probably the TAC one. When we did it in the truck, truck casting? We did we did two in the car at Tech. And I wore my headphones the entire time. That's when you couldn't hear me. When I was talking, when I was talking like this. I was yelling and you were whispering. Yeah. Well, um, so last our last Hunt Talk episode was talking about our hunt that we had in Kansas. What, that was two weeks ago now? Mm-hmm. And some things have transpired since then. Something along the lines of uh, of the Oklahoma opener. You want to talk about that? 144 things have transpired since okay. then. All right. No. Um, so Oklahoma opener. That was a that was a very good morning for me. I so I went down to the lease in southwest Oklahoma, and you headed where? You went to your private private family land. Family land. Yes. Family land in Oklahoma. Yeah. So that was a. That was the plan. Jake was going to go to Family Land. I was going to go to the lease. And did we allude to the buck, the six by seven, in the last Hunt Talk podcast? I think yes. we did. Yep. Very so, good. so there was two bucks that I was trying to target at the lease on the Oklahoma opener. One of them was a a mainframe six by seven, and the other is that that really tall heavy eight. And we actually put a video of him on, on TikTok the other day, and I, it was so funny because. A bunch of Midwestern guys were like, "That's a nice two-year-old." They they said that eight was two years old. I was like, "I don't know how big your deer get." Which eight? The eight with the split eye guards. They were saying that was a oh. two-year-old deer, three-year-old deer. <laughs> Probably weighs well, two hundred and twenty pounds. Yeah, this is Oklahoma, by the way. Yeah, yeah. So, opening morning. Let's start with you. How how opening morning go for you? Oh, you know, about as worse as it could as it could possibly go. Uh. I decided to okay, don't judge, but I tried like probably six years ago. I uh I met this female and I, this female. I, I asked her to go out with me on September like thirtieth or thirty first, like the last day of September. And but before that, like we went and like drove around and all this stuff and it so happened that I guess I asked her like after midnight. And so now six years later, she's still holding on to the fact that since it was after midnight, our anniversary is October 1st. That was a mistake. So what she thought would be sweet this, this, this year would be to go hunting with me on opening day. Oh yeah. So of course that's just an extra person to get ready. Next person to walk out there, you know, all the goods. And, uh, so we got out there late, by the way. It was like already past gray light by the time we entered that field. And why, why was that? 
Huh? Why was it? Who was running like you or her? I don't lie either. <laughs> uh, her. But uh, yeah, we waddled out there. And as soon as we came around the bend, about maybe 200 yards from the blind that we were sitting, uh, just a whole group of does started blowing, took off running into the timber. And I was like, well, this is great. This is a great start to the, to the 2022 season. So walked a little further, got fully around the bend, and there was another group of deer uh, just on the other side of the field. And they all blew, ran into the timber. And I was like, well, I just now blew off every single deer I, I have here. Seemed like double-digit deer before you get into yeah, the blind. Yep, yep. So sit down. <clears throat> of course, don't see anything. Then about 8.30 rolls around, and I see a buck. And typically what happens is uh, before, before the season – that field usually gets brush hogged or bailed or whatever they want to do with it. And it wasn't. So the blind was basically sitting in like head high grass, which I put the blind out thinking that they were going to brush hog a little bit before the season. They didn't. So what I think happened is around eight 30, I was in the blind and oddly enough, there was a wasp that was crawling on me and it, it was pretty cold. And I was like, what is a wasp doing in here? So like, of course, I, I go to spaz out a little bit, and as soon as I go to swat at it, uh, I just see a, a tail come up, and then a deer with horns starts prancing through the field, like like hip hopping away, like it definitely like saw me. <laughs> and then that deer bounded off the field, and then one followed it. So they were still in their bachelor groups. Mm. So uh, yeah, that was eight thirty, and then about nine thirty, nine forty five, there was the tractor coming through the field with the brush hog. So I was like, "This is th this is the perfect way to end this hunt." You got to get all the uh, so you knock some rust off in Oklahoma too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you got to do it in each state you go to. So uh, that's just that's just way mine. But along the lines, I got a phone call. Like about what about what time? About halfway through the hunt. I don't know. I think it's halfway like, to halfway through. Like seven thirty, maybe seven forty-five. I don't know about for you, but that was about real early for yeah, me. Yeah, but yeah, by the time we get out there, you know. Yeah, that's fair. Well. I knew I was I had about a hundred percent certainty that if I went out of there and got in uh the tree stand at a decent time and didn't make a bunch of noise that I was gonna have a pretty good hunt. Um I had had the I had a six by I had the six by seven and that split eight, which you guys can both see the videos of them both on TikTok, but I had both those deer coming into my lease fourteen days in a row. More, there had been a few mornings and a few evenings that like either the six by seven or the eight hadn't came in, but there wasn't a single morning or evening that one of them didn't come in. And so they were like hammering. And my, since this place is basically uh, a bedding area, my strategy was I, I want to get in there really early and kind of let it cool off before it gets daylight. So I left the house at five and I was sat in, sat down in the tree at six oh eight. It didn't get light till like seven because she couldn't shoot till seven. So I was in there almost an hour early. Um, by the way, forgive us if you've heard this story before because I did want to share with you guys. We shared this whole story on Wired to Hunt, uh, or I did. I did on Rut Fresh Radio on Wired to Hunt. So if you've already seen it there, bear with me. And if you haven't, go check it out after you finish this episode. But anyways, at six. Gosh dang, at this coffee shop, somebody is smashing in the bathroom. It sounds like a fire-breathing dragon. Uh, Gosh dang. They don't have to listen. It's fine. It's fine. Uh, anyways, 
no, I got I got now sat down at 608 and I have a feeder back in this bedding area and it goes off at like seven pretty much exactly um at daylight and I got sat down, got everything set up, and I was like a ninja. I got I didn't use a headlight, didn't use anything getting set up. And seven about seven o'clock, right at shooting light, the feeder goes, you know, it like warms up, it's like no corn. <laughs> and I don't have any food on this property. This is basically there's food all around, but there's this property is pretty much entirely bedding. And so if you don't have some sort of food in there, you're kind of just hoping they funnel by. So when the feeder spun like that, I was like, okay, I just we just had Jake and Tanner go fill this feeder up three weeks ago and it's already empty. And of course, the one day it goes empty is the day that I decide to sit in the tree, which happens to be opening day. So I'm like, my luck. I drove six hours for no reason. And so I'm saying, but just, just stop right there. It isn't just that the feeder doesn't have corn. It's you don't want to bust out like a different pattern, a different routine because that, that buck has been shown up like 14 days in a row. Mm -hmm. And so like for those 14 days, it's had corn each time. And exactly. so you're like wanting to keep everything like as consistent as possible. We always talk about kind of how you feel that the bucks know when it's season and they start to change your, their routine. And I don't want to do anything that makes them think something is different. Like, Oh, it's hunting season all of a sudden, or, uh, you know, something to that extent. So I agree. It sucks. I, I was just like, okay, this is going to be the trigger. They're going to come here October 1st. There's going to be no food. And they're going to be like, let's move on. That was my fear. But about 7.15, I look over and out of this northern bedding area comes, I believe it was a spike and like a, like a yearling or a fawn. And I'm like, oh, awesome. I throw my binos up and I'm like, cool. And it always happens in like peripheral vision at this spot. These deer kind of just pop up on you because it's a bedding area. And as I'm looking at the spike and doe, I just see a rack appear out of the grass. And I'm like, yeah, I know what that is. It, I knew it was the six by seven immediately. He comes in 25 yards and I had my bow not like on my left side. And so I had to kind of grab it and swing it across my body, but it was, uh, it was not smooth. He kind of like, I always use the phrase like golden handcuff me. Like he handcuffed me cause he was close. I had to get the camera recording, had to get my bow, but he was on me quick, mm -hmm. very quick. And it's kind of crazy how little there actually is to this hunt. Like I walked in, got set up seven fifteen. I shot the deer and well, that's what happens when you hunt on private over corn. <laughs> I mean, come on. <laughs> that's, it's that easy folks. Yeah, no. Um, I end up, you know, I think it took uh, about a minute and a half uh, on the on the footage, and to get my bow across, get the get the camera rolling, and twenty five yards. If you guys listened to the last hunt talk episode, it was I was riding a low from Kansas after missing a couple does, and then hitting one and sucking. As I'm getting into full draw, the the one thing I'm thinking about is like, don't do don't do what you did just like a few days ago. So. I get into full draw and you can, it honestly sounds like I just finished like a P90X workout or something in the footage. You can, <laughs> yeah, you can, you can hear thing. me go. <sighs> Good thing it wasn't quiet. He'd be like, what is that noise? 
I had to, I had to though, because like I was just trying to calm myself down. I was like, so if you've been a long time listener of the podcast, or if you listen to any, any of the Charles Beatty podcast, <laughs> it sounds the exact same. If you've ever heard Christian nose breathe or anything, then like, if y'all hear that, it sounds like a guy with like asthma or something that's Christian on, on the mic. So just, if you've heard that before, that's that's what this video sounds like. So go ahead. Well, <laughs> to my to my defense is I I try to get close to the microphone to give the best audio quality, and it kind of backfires sometimes. But no, I'm I'm like sitting there nose breathing, and I put you you'll you guys will see in the in the video, but I, I put my pen I, I'd say about heart, and as I as I kind of squeeze off the shot. He's like turning just a little bit. What would you say he was standing in that angle when I shot him? Probably like a, he wasn't a 45 at first. He's probably a 30. Something like that. Uh, By the time the arrow went off, he was quartering pretty hard. Yeah, he was. I would just say he was like, like quartered away. I think that's like, like a typical like quarter, quarter okay. away shot. Well, I had it about heart and I should have, looking back, I should have put the, put it a lot further back on him. But, um, when I let the shot go, it hit exactly where I was, you know, about maybe four or five inches uh, higher than where I was originally aiming on the heart. But I, if he would have been broadside, he would have went 10 yards because it was perfect up and down right behind the shoulder and just hammered him. But he was sitting at such a hard angle that went right behind the shoulder and got legitimately it looked like no penetration we later found out that it was it was better penetration but hit him right behind the shoulder and it was weird because he he trots off and stops again at like 25 yards and you know my motto if you can shoot again, go ahead. So I grabbed another arrow and I, I actually grabbed it like a, an expandable this time. And he went to, he ran out to like 25 yards. Molly whopped him with the second one. Now at this point, you want to talk about quartering away this fool. He was, that wasn't even quartering away. That was walking away. You should have just Texas heart punched him at that point. With that expandable. Hey, that, it, it would have did some damage. Yeah, I mean, it did do some damage. You saw the second shot. There's some veins and other uh, other bloody vessels there. Yeah, that's true. Um, No, I I shot the second arrow, went in legit in the back hip, and got decent penetration. But that was a that shot was a it was a necessity. But I got two arrows in him and. I guess you can see in the in the video when it releases, but neither of them got penetration that I wanted. That kind of flustered me about my setup because I'm shooting a heavy arrow in a 30 inch draw length and 70 pounds. But um, shot him. Called you. What were you thinking when I got gave you the call about seven seven thirty? Well, I knew a call that early meant like, hey, I'm either about to jump out of a stand head first. I fell out of the tree or. I just now got the six by seven. And so I was like, I was like, do I really want to answer this? Because at the time I was having a crappy hunt and I was like, I don't want to hear good news right now. 
like that's just selfish, like the little demon inside of me talking. And then I answered, and he he just like you were still breathing heavy. That, that's why I remember you said uh you said like your voice is like super shaky, and you're like. I just shot the six by seven or you said something like that. And, uh, so like immediately I was like that, that got me absolutely jacked. Not jacked enough to get, make you run your hunt though. No, I still whispered, but it's yeah. Cause when I called you last year about the seven and a half year old book, that a funky book that I shot, you were like, that's awesome. Dude. You were talking like a normal voice. Yeah. Granted it was later in the morning it though. It was, it was like nine or nine thirty when you shot that one. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Well, I called Jake, and what did you think of the footage when I sent you the first, sent you the footage? So after after looking at it, I was like, it looked like you like popped him in the shoulder, just because like that that penetration. And then uh, after like looking at it again, after you got back to Tanner's and blew it up on the screen, I was like, oh, it looked like he you stuck in that opposite shoulder. But, but my thinking is it maybe clipped like part of one lung or something like that. Like obviously you didn't heart punch him because or else he would have been dead before the second Ten shot. seconds. Yeah. And so I, I was like, I was like, well, hopefully, you know, you, you clipped that one lung. And it was really weird about the footage is, is like after you shot the first time, he ran that 25 yards, which is odd because usually if a deer gets hit in the shoulder, it's like in the next county or it, it, fast. It, it's trying to be there fast. Yeah. And. So it only ran like 25 yards and then like it kind of stopped for a second and it looked like it was getting a little woozy. Doing a little wobble. Yeah. Like, like a little stanky leg. The butt was like, like really swaying. And I was like, Oh, that's about to go down. And then all of a sudden you shot again. And then it kind of like, you know, had a little pep and a step after that. But, uh, for the most part, I didn't know what to think. The only thing that gave me confidence in the entire situation was that he had two arrows in him. Like when everyone I talked to was like, well, you know, neither arrow is great, but you got two. So the yeah. two bads equal a good. I mean, and, and the thing was, is like you got to pass through because one hole on one side, one <laughs> hole on the other. Well, if that's if that's the case, then I went coast to coast on him. Got one in the back cheek and one in the front <laughs> <laughs> all around, baby. Yeah. Well, I mean, I wasn't mad at either shot placement. What upset me was the penetration on both of them. Like, what do you think that is? The first one was definitely because of the angle of the shot. Um, we later on found out that that broadhead basically didn't even get in the cavity, went behind the shoulder and rode the ribs all the way up. And so I have to attribute that to the angle, or at least that's what lets me sleep at night. Um, and then the second shot was after I found the deer, I found, I th I'll talk about that a little bit later. Cause after I found the deer, I think that one kind of explained itself, but, um, we went back, talked to everybody on the phone. It was, a uh, shot him at seven fifteen, and we went back in, I think right at like one thirty. So we were getting pushing up to that six hour mark. And honestly, I wouldn't have mind waiting a little longer, but it was hot that day. I mean, I'm still sunburnt from, when I went, it was like in the mid eighties. And so we went out and, uh, I, I had briefly looked for blood on this deer before I left, but it was, it was not there. There was nothing. So reluctantly I let, uh, I let Tanner, 
Tanner's buddy volunteered to bring his dog and it, this was the dog's first track. That's a lot of faith to put I, into a yeah, dog. I was going to say, I wouldn't have did that, but I guess that was your only option at that point. Well, I knew, hey, neither of these shots got penetration. There's pro- So both of them are in there. It's not going to be good blood, regardless of the situation. It's not going to be good blood. And I lost sight of the deer in about after about 30 yards. So, um, Ain't got much to go on. Yeah, and it's 85 degrees. I was like, I, I need to find this deer. And because the thing is, in my mind, if it's a stand up blood trail and the deer's dead, the dog's not going to mess it up. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, the worst the dog could do would be overturning a leaf that had blood on right, it. Right. But, but my thinking is, if it's a brand new bloodhound or a uh, tracking dog, then you would want to, because wasn't that the dog's first track? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'd be, I, me thinking as like like because sooner or later I want to I want to try to raise like 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 a blood dog of some sort, and my thinking is, you would want to start them out like on a for sure blood trail that's dead. Yeah, and and possibly a doe. You know, like you know, I don't want to say it's like not as risky, but we all know like a doe's a doe and a buck's a buck. Like yeah, those have two way different meanings whether you want to admit it or not. Yeah, but for a and it was barely a dog. It was like almost, oh, it was a, a dog's an overstatement. It's a puppy. Yeah, it looked like it just crawled out of the womb, basically. They told us it. So Tanner's buddy was like, "Hey, it's a you know, the pup's name was Sichu, which is like an interesting name. I don't know what that means, but uh, he said, yeah, it's six months old.' I'm like, okay, you know, it's like a media. I think Sichu is like Greek for uh, Greek for tracker. Is it actually? No. <laughs> <laughs> I was hoping that was. I knew you were lying, but I had to ask. Uh, no, but he said the dog was six months old. After we found the deer, he said, hey, she was actually born uh, June 7th. It, she was three months old. Three-month-old dog. I mean, dude, the dog was like like a foot and a half long. It, it was a like, puppy. It looked like a full-grown like wiener dog. Yeah, so we got out on the track, and honestly, the dog paid off immediately because I thought the deer went straight to the west, and it did take a few steps to the west, but pretty much immediately after that headed north. And I would have been spending my entire day getting sunburned in that thick brush to the west looking for that deer. And it was not even remotely close to that. So what happened, though, is I took the, we took the dog to the point of impact and then kind of walked it up where I thought I saw. And we did find some blood, like where that deer had stopped. And it was kind of petering spotty blood, but it seemed like every five to 10 yards we could get on a speck. Like literally that was it like a speck or two. And there were times where uh, he would let the dog off the leash and it would walk up the trail and we're like, Oh, here we go. Here we go. And then it would get under a tree and lay down and be like, <laughs> "Really?" and I was like, mm, you know, like what can you expect? I feel like that dog knew where it was at, but it was just like in a minute. Give me a moment. It's hot. <laughs> yeah. And at one point we had to, we had to kind of stop and he was like, let, let me go get the dog water. And I and like I'm sitting out there, it's 85 degrees. We're having to go get the dog water to track this deer. We're no closer to the deer. Cause I at this point I'm like, I think the deer's dead, but I don't know if we're gonna find it. And you know that those highs and lows, it's just like it's honestly like when you're out there looking for a deer and you don't have super high confidence in finding it, it's kind of like you want to go to sleep and just Forget about the whole thing. We'll go to sleep and forget about it and just and just wake up and realize that it had never happened. Well, a question I had is just how come you didn't just heart punch it? That was the plan. Yeah. 
the the reason I didn't heart punch it is because I'm not Levi Morgan and I'm Christian <laughs> Babcock. That's why. And you know, God gives his toughest battles to his strongest okay. soldiers, yeah. and he knew that I could emotionally deal with this. What what Bible verse is that? I think that's Deerlations three twenty four. Okay. Yeah. Uh, no, but the dog took up the track, and we got uh, probably two hundred yards up the trail, and it was crazy because we were sitting there and we were like in the shade, and this dog is panting so hard, like it's I don't blame her because it's freaking hot, and he's like, man, I got to get her some water. Like I either got to walk back to the truck or I got to walk to the lake or the the river to get her some water. I'm like, let's just go to the river. You know, it'll be like a 75 yard detour through the grass and we'll come back right on the track. Um, and we hadn't had blood in about a hundred yards since then. So we were just walking up the trail, just hoping that's kind of the way he went. And we get in, in that, some of that thick native grass and we're going to the lake or the river to get the dog water. And he's going to pull left. He's pulling left to like get to the river and the dog like leash just fully extended like ripping him to the right. And he's like, come on. Like, he's like, you know, try, like quit being like that. He thought she was trying to lay down again uh, to get shade, I believe. And he looked over and he said, oh, he's right there. And I was like, you know, when you're in the pit of despair in deer hunting and they say it's right there. And especially if it's the biggest buck you've ever shot, you're like, you're kidding. It, it seems fake. It, mm. it really does not feel like a real moment. But he was literally laying right there. So was that buck heading towards the water? Yeah. It was on its way towards the water. And it just... What? Yeah. One of the things that uh, Cade is his name. And if he, I don't know if he listens to this, but maybe he does now. But thank you for bringing your dog. Does up, he have an way. Instagram handle? Like, he does. Is, is this a business? Uh, yeah. He actually runs an outfit uh, down in Southwest Oklahoma for deer hunting. Uh, but uh, Cade. Yeah. What Cade had said was. I think this is where this deer lives. Like this bed that this deer went to, to die is where the deer lives. He, he thought that cause it was under a cedar tree up okay. to the North part of the property. And I'd always seen the trail cam pictures of the deer coming from that direction. He said, what if that deer got shot and returned to the place that he, the only place he knew, which is like where he lives and died in like his bed that he normally beds in. Cause you think about it on public, those deer are bouncing around sometimes like finding different beds. I, and I'm sure buck has like a lot of different beds, even mm -hmm. on private, but I just kind of thought that was interesting. I was like, maybe it is, maybe he does live right here. Well, what was the moon doing that night? Well, it was a full moon. So <laughs> he was, he was moving all night. Uh, That's sarcasm. Folks. Some emails about that. Yeah, probably. Um, technically, technically, <laughs> You got to buy the moon guide, bro. <laughs> it I'm not going to crap me every time. And the only reason why is because I only hunt during those moons. Well, it's funny because people will hunt the, they'll hunt the full rut and it'll be negative 10 degrees. And they'll be like, it was the moon, bro. I was like, it wasn't anything else. <laughs> <laughs> it went testosterone, you know? Yeah. Um, no, wasn't like in standing estrus. Like, are you sure? Are you sure it's the moon? Yeah. I won't dump on the moon too much because I think there is something to it, but I just don't know what. Yeah, it reflects light. Yeah. Well, <laughs> uh, I'm trying to think what else. No, we, we, we found that buck and it still had both arrows in it. That first arrow, like Looked I said. Looked like a porcupine? Do what? Looked like a porcupine? Yeah, that first arrow was honestly got pretty good penetration. Tanner had to jerk it out of the... Like I wanted to say the cavity, but it wasn't the cavity. 
Um, but that second arrow, we flipped that deer over and y'all see it when we released the video, I hit him in the back hip on that second shot. And it, it, that rift from thorn was actually pretty impressive because it cut a big old hole in that, uh, in that back thigh and went from the back, back hip all the way into the liver. There was a slice out of the liver too. So it looked like it didn't get great penetration in the video, but I bet it got every bit of like 15 inches of penetration. Really? Yeah. And you got to think one of the things I talked to Scott nice about from Thorn Broadheads is, you know, you're asking a lot for an expandable broadhead to go through guts at a quartering away angle. Cause like, you're not just like going through them. You're going up, 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 you know? And that, that made sense to me that that quartering away shot expecting to get a pass through is kind of like, that's asking a lot. Cause you're going to go through guts, liver, lungs, hide on both sides. I think, I think it ended up working out pretty well. Uh, relative to to what was going on but no 85 degrees got a sunburn biggest buck of my life mainframe six by seven still had velvet on his bases which pretty, pretty cool. freaking awesome i asked jared the taxidermist if he could preserve it he's like it'll look just like that when you come get him I thought that was pretty sweet it's all we can do it's all it's all i'm gonna do um yeah that's we taped him out 144 and five eighths had a six inch base on that one side. That's massive. It's like he was teasing me because he had a three and a half on one side and then a six on the other. I was like, why couldn't you have done this on the other side? <laughs> but I mean, just an awesome deer. Uh, Jared pulled the jaw on him the other day, uh, seven and a half years old, which is crazy because on that lease, I've had that lease for two years back-to-back seven-and-a-half-year-old bucks off of it. What do you think that is? It's it's just the property on how it's set up, the distance off the road that it is, the seclusion, the honestly, the QDM that the area in general sees. You know, Jake and his family are right across the river. Um, so it's just like the people that own those areas and hunt those areas where those deer live in the bedding areas – are just good deer managers. And it's just like, if I wouldn't have shot those two seven and a half year old bucks off that place, I wonder if they wouldn't be deadheads sitting in the woods right now. Like I think deer die of old age sometime out there, you know, kind of like that public piece we hunt in Oklahoma. It's like, you'll find deer skulls all the time and there's just no teeth left in them, like ground down to nothing. I just think that's freaking awesome. I wouldn't know. I've never found one of those, but yeah, it's true. Well, yeah, that was, did I miss anything on the story of that hunt? Uh, to your recollection as someone who wasn't there. What did he weigh? This is pretty fun. Um, live weight, 229.6. So probably a mid eighties type body field dressed. How about 229.6? Where'd you get the point six at? Did it, you actually? It like, was in a digital scale. Really? Yeah, it is digital scale. It was like a Cabela scale. Damn. Yeah, two twenty up in there. <sighs> it's, pretty, it's kind of a big deal. No, but yeah, it was a. He was a big bodied sucker, seven and a half year old buck. I think one of the things I would say is what's allowed me to kind of shoot, not kind of what's allowed me to shoot two mature bucks is just honestly being lucky enough to have a place like that. Like, I think you could take any decent hunter and put them in a place like that 
as long as he follows the wind directions. And he doesn't sit in the middle of the beans. <laughs> Inside joke. Carry on. And he, and <laughs> and he would he would kill one. Do we, could we? Te- do you think Carol will get mad if we told that story? Oh my God! Should we? <sighs> hey, let's be transparent. That's true. Should we get him on to rebuttal it later? Yes. <laughs> let's be let's be honest. He doesn't listen to the podcast. We'll uh, we'll uh, wrap up your story and then, then we go on. Okay. Yeah. Um, like I was saying, I I just think anybody with that kind of property could do that. So I don't think it's anything unique to my skills or abilities besides making a shot, even though they're a couple of more poor, um, just fortunate to have a place like that and to, you know, to get hooked up with Jake and them and their part of the state where they've been practicing QDM for decades and just be able to do that. So I, I think it was a, it's just a testament to what can happen when you implement the strategy of like, leaving leaving properties alone and not putting any intrusion that you don't have to on them and wait until you have the right uh wind direction to to access it so i kind of think that's what that's what made the difference on this hunt and that's kind of the story that i told everyone on wired to hunt too was that um you know get close to bedding early season and let your property sit and big bucks do move in the daylight when you don't give them a reason not to. So that's what I would say about this, this hunt was an awesome hunt. BBD biggest buck ever, even though he scored BBE. That's true. BBD big buck down though. (laughs) Uh, Even though he scored mid forties is still going to struggle to net Pope and young. So we'll keep you updated on that. Hopefully it doesn't shrink a few inches. We all know the saying. Nets are for fish. Yes. That's right. Well, that's the story of the six by seven for people that have been hearing me allude to it on the podcast every uh every episode for the whole summer. But we're gonna tell the Carol story yes, now. Yes, that's all you. <laughs> no, you gotta tell it. You brought it up. You brought it up. Go. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll I'll set it up and you 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 tell me exactly how it happened. I've been talking for this whole episode. Well, so we should have talked about this on the last hunt talk episode because it was while we were here, we should have got Carol on the rebuttal, but since he's not here, we could talk about it. Um, so we have a buddy who also what you could do is DM him and just give him a little bit of crap. That would make me so happy. (laughs) What's his, what's his Instagram? I'm right now. Hold on. So, if you consider yourself a loyal part of the Hunter's Advantage community, please feel free to DM Pate about the beans. Okay, it's Pate 12 so P-A-Y-T-E-012. I would love for him to hear about this from one of you guys and not from us. Or all of you guys. Or all of you guys. <laughs> so feel, feel free. No, so we were hunting in Kansas, and there was a very mature buck that was coming into this bean field on private land that one of our buddies uh, owns and just, just got. So we, we sent paid out there because this is a mature buck and he, he didn't know how much he was going to be able to hunt this season in up in Kansas. So we were like, Hey, go after this buck. And we had, we had set corn out in this bean field, which kind of seems ironic, but we basically just made a pile in this bean field. 
And the stand was what about 50 yards away from the uh, it was about 50 yards away from where that corn pile and trail camera were set up. Well, when Peyton got out there, he decided that 50 yards away was too far and that there's no way that the deer would come any closer than that in the field because there was no reason for them to. And that he had to take <laughs> he had to take it upon himself to get a little closer. <laughs> the first picture, the first picture that I got from him when he showed up was a picture of him looking directly up at a tree and it had limbs coming off the tree. And he goes, This isn't gonna work. <laughs> like trying to get closer. <laughs> Cause he brought his saddle to kind of hang and hunt too. And Did you? Did he send you the picture of him in the beans? No, all I got, <laughs> all I got was a text message from you, and it said Carol's POV, and it was just a picture of him sitting what looked like 20, 30 yards away in the middle of a bean field, and it was a picture of beans and then the corn pile like 20 or 30 yards away. So he set up 25 yards from this corn pile and trail camera, and he was laying on his side like David, David Hasselhoff in like a bikini shoot. Like He was like... <laughs> like propped up like that and the the first thing i think he texted me he said sorry man won't be able to film and i was like that's not your problem right now <laughs> your, your problem is how are you going to kill a deer laying sports illustrated style out in the by this in this bean field how tall do you think the beans were dude <laughs> 18 inches a foot and a half max and they're spotty they're not even thick like they're spotty um no, but I got that picture, and I was just like, you know what? If he pulls this off, he's going to look like – people are going to be calling him to get him on all the podcasts. Like, how do you spot and stalk? How do you – I mean, if he pulled it off, it would have been awesome. But um, it was it was not too far after he got set down that he texted me and said, dude, two, two does came onto the plot. The first thing they did was look at me and blow, and he said, I didn't move. No, he had a bobcat coming first. Oh, a bobcat. He said the bobcat no knew that one was up to. Mm -hmm. But the, when the does came in, he said, I didn't move a bleeping muscle. <laughs> <laughs> and they blew and ran off. Um, I'm trying to think what, what else happened that hunt. Uh, was that it? So I think the does blew, and then he decided to get back up in the stand. Oh, did he? Is, is he finally said? I think so. It was like... It was like 6.50, and there was probably 30 or 40 minutes left in the hunt. And I told him, I was like, man, there's still a good amount of time to hunt. You should back out and get in the tree. And I think he did. Um, but it was funny because we were talking to, to Mike yesterday, and he was like, it was weird because none of the deer used the were on trail cam that night. And he's like, I was confused. <laughs> so, it was just one of those things like, I've uh, I've definitely been in situations where I've been sitting like I've sat on the edge of fields in like a lawn chair before and not like in the brush, like on the field pretty much mm -hmm. like as a younger man and with a rifle or bow with a rifle. And I've definitely sat in some stupid situations with a bow too on public land and stuff. But it was just funny because if any of you guys know Carol, 
Carol, uh, he loves to banter and go back and forth, and he, he just the man can argue with like like a fence post and probably win. And the fence post would just fall over and be like, I give up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but e- even he didn't have any banter, and it's just like none of us held it against him. It was just it was just a hilarious situation, um, how it unfolded, and we we've gotten so many good laughs out of that. Well, also, <laughs> you got to tell him about Mike. Which part? The video? Yes. <laughs> well, Jake sent me a video yesterday of them out at that property. And it was just like he was doing like a panoramic. Like is that what's called the panoramic yeah, picture? Yeah. Basically just like they were at, what were they out there doing? Setting out corner or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then he just kind of did like one of those like everybody does of, of like their setup basically. And then at the very end, there was Jake's dad, Mike, like – huddled huddled up like 20 yards out in the beans and, and just like poked his head up real quick and then poked it right back down i didn't catch that until later at the house because like i was just like oh you know that, that's cool setup great you know <laughs> yeah they were he was making a parody video and we we wanted to send it to peyton say uh the deer's pov when, yeah. <laughs> when you were laying out on the beans <laughs> it's all fun though yeah it's all it's all fun i mean Nobody got a deer, so maybe maybe we, we suck too. But we're here in Kansas now. We'll probably record another podcast episode. I'm not going to spoil too much of what's been going down the last day or two, but it's been juicy. I will. A lot of deer. <laughs> well, you guys have probably seen it on our story so far. 47 deer last night between me and 43. you? 43. I saw 17. How many did you see? 20, I- 25 conservatively? Yes, probably. Yeah, that's freaking awesome. Well, uh, that's the story of the 6 by 7 There's your little bonus story on Carol and the Beans, if you needed a good laugh. So what you can also do, if you don't want to DM them or whatever, please do. But like, message us like good nicknames, because I think we, we're going to either start calling them like Bro Beans or... Bush. Bushes. <laughs> Something like that, but uh, if you have if you have a clever nickname, just uh, hit us a DM, and then it might be on a T-shirt. I don't know. Oh, that'd be so awesome! <laughs> That's actually a great idea. A t-shirt of Caroline and the Beans just peeking yeah. over uh, the Jolly Green Giant. There's another one. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, but seriously, thank you guys for not only listening to the podcast, but you, we've been getting so many messages on Instagram and emails and. Um, comments on youtube the engagement has been awesome lately so we appreciate that we love making this kind of content for you guys i mean we're literally sitting at a random coffee shop for god's sake in the middle of kansas doing a podcast because we want to keep you guys flowing and updated with what's going on with us but um a lot of season left ahead and a lot more to hunt this weekend in kansas but thank you guys for listening to the podcast anything else jake uh Jesus loves you. Bye. Thank you guys so much for checking out the Hunter's Advantage podcast. If you enjoyed the episode, make sure to leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcast, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever you listen to the podcast. Thank you guys so much, and we'll see you in the next episode.